All right, City West, how you guys doing? Yeah, who's excited for baptisms today? Anybody in the house? Yes. This is the last week of our short series we called Something to Believe in. Uh, we looked in week one at this big, broad idea of belief. Last week, we saw one of the foundational beliefs uh, of the movement of Jesus, which is the assurance of our salvation, that after that moment uh, of belief that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's done what he says that he's done, that you can have assurance and security of your entrance into heaven from now till forevermore. And, and that's a beautiful thing that we celebrate with baptism. Baptism is not what gets you into heaven. There's nothing magical uh, about this water. I'm not going to tell you where we got this water from because we meet in a bar. Just trust us. Cap full of bleach takes care of everything. Um, nothing magical uh, about any of it. What it is, is it is uh, a declaration of your belief in Jesus. It's a declaration that you're ready to move, that the way you've tried to live is not going to work out in the long run, uh, and that you are ready to try God's way. And what happens over time, 2,000 plus years of Christian history and tradition and religion and secular history and the world goes on and we get these lenses of tradition and religion and worldview that can sometimes cloud the original intention of things like baptism. And here at City West, we say it all the time, uh, we are radical about prioritizing Jesus's original intention both for our lives and for his movement. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to go back and look at the first baptisms in the very beginning of this movement of Jesus. Jesus had come to earth. He died on a cross. He rose again. He spent 40 days uh, walking and talking and teaching the people. And then he ascended back to heaven. But before he did... He gave a charge to those who were his followers to start this movement of his. And so they were in the city of Jerusalem, the very site of the crucifixion of Jesus. The disciples went and they were praying. They were also a little bit hiding out because it was very dangerous to be an open follower of Jesus. The leader of their movement had just been put to death. And they were waiting for God to move them on to their next location. And finally... Uh, they felt a prompting from God. They went into a very public setting where there were thousands of Jewish people gathered uh, from all over the known world. They spoke different languages, and it was right then that the Spirit of God came upon and into these disciples, and they began to preach to all of the people assembled, and everyone there could hear the sermons in their own languages. And when, God, when Jesus left the earth, he told them to go into the whole world, reach the entire world with the good news of Jesus, that when movements move, movements will grow. And at the very first gathering of people, people from all over the world got to hear the good news of what Jesus had done for them. The crazy thing is many of these Jews had stood by and done nothing while Jesus was crucified. Some of them had been complicit with the crucifixion. They had gave their approval to it. Some in the crowd were religious leaders called Pharisees who had actually had a real hand in taking down Jesus. 
Peter, one of the 12 disciples, got up and gave uh, really the most incredible sermon of all time. The sermon that all other sermons will be judged by as the standard for the rest of time. And at the end of this sermon, we're going to pick up in the book of Acts chapter 2. It says, when they heard this, when they heard the words of Peter, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what should we do? And some of you came here today just as another normal Sunday, or some of you may be here for the first time, or maybe you're here because someone who has already planned to get baptized is a friend or family member, so you came to watch them. You didn't come here today with any intention of actually getting baptized, but by the end of the revelation of God's word today, this short period of time that I'm going to get up here so I can get out of the way and we can get to baptisms, you will be pierced to the heart in a way that is unexplainable to you. You didn't come here to get into the water, but the Spirit of God came here to get into you. And so by the end of this, when God comes upon you and you feel him and your heart is racing and you're white-knuckling your chair because everything in your flesh wants to keep you there, wants to keep you as a slave to commercialism, wants to keep you in the flow of current that is leading you unsatisfied and insignificant, when you are pierced to your heart, the only question you can ask is, what should I do now, some of you didn't come here to get baptized today, but you're going to leave here having gone through these waters, even though we're about to preach a pretty hard sermon about what baptism really means. They looked at, at the evidence. They saw how they had been wrong about Jesus. They asked, what should we do? In 38, Peter replied, repent. The Greek word metanoia, which simply means to change your mind. Now, this is another word that has 2,000 years of Christianity layered on top of it, where repent means a lot of things to us today that it wouldn't have meant to people when they heard this in their original context. Repent means to change your mind. Repent and be baptized. Change your mind about the way that you're living. Change your mind about who Jesus Christ is. Change your mind about trying to work your way into heaven when Jesus has already done the work on your behalf. Repent and be baptized each and every one of you who has been pierced to the heart in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, Peter testified, and he strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. And so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day, about 3,000 people were added to the movement of Jesus Christ upon the earth. Not a bad church service. 3,000 baptisms. And back then, they would have only counted the men. Women and children didn't get counted. So it could have been double or triple this number. But we know 3,000 men were baptized that day. And here's the interesting thing, as amazing as that is, and we know this, when movements move, movements grow. But there is this belief that's being taught out there that once you believe and once you identify yourself as a believer by going through the baptismal waters, that now your life will be exactly as you have imagined it would be. They teach a prosperity gospel. If you just believe, you come up, you get baptized, 
all of a sudden, it's all going to go your way. It's all going to start working out. You'll have the money. You'll have the fame. You'll get the likes. You'll meet the man or the woman of your dreams. Your kids will magically start respecting you. You'll get the promotion. If you're rich, you'll get richer. If you're poor, you'll get rich. It's the prosperity over and over. Everything that's wrong in your life will magically become right. He will magically start doing the dishes without you asking. She will magically stop nagging you to do the dishes. Everything will come right for everybody. Unfortunately, this isn't what we experience. Many of you have believed and you've been baptized and the addiction didn't magically disappear. And your kids are still hard to know how to navigate and how to get them to be respectful individuals. And your marriage is still kind of on the rocks and you're not sure if it's going to work out. And, and maybe you believed and you got baptized and actually your life got harder. Maybe all of a sudden you found out that you have a, a, a health issue or maybe you lost someone that you love or maybe depression set in or maybe you thought, man, I'm finally going to get the promotion. I did it. I believed. Got in the water. Time for the promotion. Showed up. Got let go. Maybe you got baptized and things got worse. We believe that baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. It's a picture of what Jesus did on our behalf. And here at City West, before we lower you into the water, we say buried with Christ. You are buried into this water grave as a symbol of the grave that Jesus went into. And then we say you are raised to walk in a new life. You leave this old life, this sin nature, the person that you were in the water, and you come up not perfect. You're still jacked up. You still got a ways to go. We still got to get real about the things we're struggling with and expose them to God's light, not hide them and try to pretend we're perfect. But we now have a chance to live being led by the Spirit of God, getting on the path of our purpose so that we can walk in power. There is nowhere in Scripture where you are promised an easy life after you come to Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself said, in this world, and remember, we are pilgrims passing through. We're living for a different day in a different world, but in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because Jesus has overcome this world. It takes, it takes a little bit of navigating, but we're gonna follow the path to the, today of these first believers in the movement, the ones who stood up and identified themselves to be baptized because they did it in a public setting, and they did it in a city that was so hostile to this movement that they were joining by getting in those waters that they had just recently killed the leader of that movement. And so they were not only identifying themselves as believers, they were identifying themselves for persecution, and persecution came. There was much suffering. The, the church in Jerusalem, the movement, this gathering of people in Jerusalem was very powerful. When you read through Acts, thousands of more people continued to come into it after this first moment in Acts 2. And they were coming together and taking care of the widows and taking care of the orphans. And they were taking the people who had excess resources, were taking that excess and giving it to the community so that those who were without could have it was an amazing picture of what the movement of Jesus is supposed to be, but it was such a threat to Judaism. It was such a threat to the local scene, to the authority and the power structures that it began to be persecuted heavily. 
In fact, things got so bad that when we go to uh, the book of James, James was the head pastor of the church of Jerusalem. And the book of James is written to his congregation. The book of James starts like this. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad. Those are your two key words, dispersed abroad. Greetings. He says, consider it great joy when you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. He was writing to the 12 tribes, all of the different Jewish people who were a part of his congregation in Jerusalem dispersed abroad. Persecution and suffering became so intense they were taking believers' lives. Not only were they taking their property, splitting apart families, exiling and marginalizing them, but Christians were losing their lives in Jerusalem. And so the church in Jerusalem had to flee for their lives. Some escaped outside of the city and some escaped outside of the country. And the church of Jerusalem was persecuted and spread all across the known world. This is the context of the book of James. He's talking to them about trials because they are in the greatest trial of their life. And it's interesting because in this short span of time, they went from this moment where they were pierced to the heart. They realized that they had been wrong and they changed their mind. They believed in Jesus. And now that they believed, they asked the next question, what do we do now? You get baptized, go in the water, make it public, be bold and courageous. But by identifying themselves as believers, they identified themselves for persecution. And in a real sense, their salvation led to their suffering. Their salvation, as displayed through their public baptism, led, identified them for suffering. They had to leave their home. They had to leave their relationships. They had to leave their businesses. They had to leave family to go into places where they were unresourced, unprotected, and unknown. And the reality is that the call to Christianity is a call to take up your cross and to follow after Jesus, to forsake this world and live for a world that is to come. And so before any of you who are signed up to get baptized today sneak out the back door, <laughs> let's continue because there's more to this story. You just have to look around in scripture for the full context. One of the really shocking things about this persecution uh, of these Jewish believers in Jerusalem is it wasn't coming from Rome. They weren't being persecuted by Assyria. They weren't being persecuted by the Samaritans whom they shared a border with. They were being persecuted by their fellow Jewish brothers and sisters, people who saw this movement as a threat to the Judaism that these people once professed. And so what they desired was for them to renounce their belief in Jesus, to leave the movement of Jesus, and to go back to their old ways to fit the culture and to line up with expectations and to be good Jews and come back to the fold. 
They were being persecuted by their own people. Jesus was born a Jewish man. And thousands of years before his birth, God came to a man named Abraham and promised him that he would make him into a great nation, the Israelite nation, and that the Savior of the world would come through his lineage. And that was fulfilled. Jesus came and spent the first part of his ministry speaking almost exclusively to the Jewish people, letting them know that the Messiah was there. The day had come, and Jesus was rejected by his own people. This was prophesied thousands of years before it happened in the Old Testament. And in Matthew 24, just a short time before Jesus went to the cross, he affirmed the prophecy of the Old Testament prophet Daniel. In Matthew 23, and then we'll go into chapter 24 as well, Jesus spoke these words. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. And see, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as Jesus left and he was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. Look at the temple, Jesus. Look how beautiful it is and ornate. It is the pride of Judaism. It was built on the foundation of our forefathers. It's everything we stand for. It's the central figure of our religion. And Jesus responded, do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. And in this chapter, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus goes on to affirm the prophecy of Daniel 483 years earlier that because the Israelites rejected their Messiah, Jerusalem would be invaded conquered, and the temple that had stood as the centerpiece of Judaism for hundreds and hundreds of years would be torn down to its foundation. And if you don't know it yet, you'll probably live long enough to find out that every word spoken by Jesus will come to pass. Jesus spoke these words in uh, around A.D. 35, 33 to 35, the people went through the waters around A.D. 35 to start this movement of Jesus. And in 70 A.D., less than 40 years, a Jewish generation later, Titus, the emperor of Rome, assembled his armies, rode to Jerusalem, murdered virtually every man, woman, and child inside the city who was not able to flee for their life, decimated all of the structures and tore that very temple down until there was not one stone left on top of another. And in that instance, Judaism became very vulnerable. The center of it had been destroyed. But the movement of Jesus was unaffected. The movement of Jesus continued to move, continued to grow in exponential ways, continued to travel all the way around the world and stretch into every corner of society, even though it was being persecuted, even though they were on the run, even though they were underground, even though some of its leaders were being held in prison, the movement continued to move, and when movements move, movements grow. And if we look at our timeline, what we see is that Jesus came and his disciples 
started this movement and 3,000 were baptized around 35 AD. By 45 AD, one decade later, James is writing to a church that has had to flee for their life and their salvation had led to their suffering. They are now a church on the run. But in 70 AD, when Titus comes, And he kills every man, woman, and child, and he destroys Jerusalem until blood runs in the street. The movement is unaffected because the movement is not there. Their salvation led to their suffering, but their suffering ultimately led to their salvation. Because they were dispersed, because they were persecuted and on the run, When the judgment fell on Jerusalem, they were no longer there. God had spared the lives of the people who were bold enough to come and identify themselves as a part of the movement and identify themselves for persecution. And there were 30 or 40 years in there where they were on the run and they probably didn't really understand what God's plan could possibly be in this. God, I gave my life to you. I told everyone that I was about you. I changed some things around. I left my family and my business. What is the purpose of this suffering? And so many of us are caught there right now. God, what are you using this for? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to feel this pain? But what the early church shows us is that there is promise in your pain, that there is purpose behind it, that there is opportunity in your opposition, that you may not be able to see what God is sparing you from by what he's taking you through right now, but he has a plan for it the reality is you don't get to choose whether or not you suffer you just get to choose how this world will be hard this world will be full of pain and apart from Christ you will constantly be trying to figure out what the purpose is for your pain you will constantly be trying to numb it and suppress it and push it away and deny it and self-medicate But through the movement of Jesus, there can be purpose for your pain. Through the movement, there can be redemption. And even though your salvation, even though this proclamation may lead you to some suffering, we believe that that suffering can be for the salvation of many others. Baptism is a bold move. And what we don't do here at City West is we don't tell half-truths. Baptism is not about living a life of ease for the rest of time. Baptism is a proclamation that not only am I a believer, but I'm ready to move. It is an identification for persecution. It is an identification to let the enemy who is out to kill and destroy, who is out to stop the movement of Jesus and keep hope away from those who are in desperate need of hope, know that you're ready. You're ready for the fight. It takes some courage to get in the waters. It takes some serious faith. If you've believed, you can never hit the waters and you will enter heaven someday. But if you have believed and you are bold enough to come through and say, I'm ready for what's coming my way. I have the courage to get up, to get in, and to get moving. Then you will not only enter heaven someday, but you will enter with the line of people behind you because your suffering was not for nothing. Your suffering was for redemption. Your suffering was for the salvation of others some of you are here 
and you feel like I'm talking directly to you and it's not me, it's the Spirit of God. You didn't come here to get baptized today, but today's the day to get in the water. You've already decided to believe, but you're a little worried about what people will think or you're a little scared to get on stage and you don't like people looking at you and no one's pretending like this doesn't take some boldness to get up and make this proclamation today. But if you are not bold enough to get up in a room full of believers who are gonna clap and cheer and a band who's gonna sing behind you, then the enemy isn't gonna waste much time on you because you're probably not gonna be bold enough to stand up in your place of work. And you're probably not gonna be bold enough to be the spouse that you need to be. And you might not be bold enough to set the boundaries on your children where they may be mad now, but they'll be healthy later. Today's the day for a moment of courage to get on this stage, to proclaim that I'm ready to suffer and make it worth it. I'm ready to move. I'm ready for purpose. I'm ready for power. I'm ready to move. And so if you're here today, you plan to get baptized, you're already in your shirt, you're already ready, you're all in, in just a second we're gonna ask you to stand. But for those of you, and you know who you are, and the only question you have is what should I do now? Don't let anything keep you in that seat. We come prepared for this. We've got shorts, shirts, we've got towels, we got everything but your chones. You're gonna have to figure that out on your own. We got everything you need. We got warm, dirty water. We got a band behind you. We got a God that loves you. It's time to get out of your seat and get in the water. If you're ready to get baptized today, stand up with us and let us make some noise for you. You guys head right back there to Bobby. He's waving at you as you guys walk. Let me pray for you and then we're gonna worship together. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Today we are declaring that we're ready to move. We're not just believing, but we are moving. And if persecution comes, we will believe that you're in it. And if suffering comes, we will believe that it's for salvation. And we stand on your word and we stand on your promise and we worship you today because of what you've done for us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.